We'll talk to you about spirit-led decisions. Isaiah 30, 21, the Bible says that whether you go to the right or to the left, that you will hear this voice. He will, he will nudge you, and it says it will come from behind you, and he will tell you, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Is there anybody in the room today thankful for the leading of the Holy Spirit? Come on, somebody. I'm grateful that during the days I'm living in, I don't have to be led by my emotions or what I see happening in the world. I can be led by the Spirit of God. Isaiah chapter 11, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. This is what the Bible says. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. And the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to make judgments according to what we see with our natural eyes or what we're hearing with our natural ears, the just live by faith and not by sight, amen? Verse four says, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. This is prophetic about Jesus. And this prophecy we see as the spirit of the Lord comes to rest on Jesus. We see the fulfillment of it in Luke chapter three. Verse 22, when Jesus goes to be baptized, and the Bible says when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying, and, as soon, and while he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, and he said, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. I am well pleased. We see through scripture that the Holy Spirit, until Jesus, never really found a place to rest. Until Jesus, the Holy Spirit would visit men and would touch men and would put his hand on men, that, but he would return. He would return to the Father. And then when Jesus comes, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit finally, in the form of a dove, finally finds this place to rest, and he rests on Jesus. And like we sang in the song today, Holy Spirit, come rest on us. But even further than resting on us, now as New Covenant, New Testament believers, the Spirit of God doesn't just rest on us. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. It, it reminds me of this story in Genesis chapter 8 when the waters had, had subsided and Noah is testing to see where the water was at. And he first he sends out a raven to make sure that all the water was gone over the face of the earth. But to make sure that the water had receded to where they could leave and start to live, he sends out a dove. And we notice throughout scripture that a dove represents the Holy Spirit, the same dove that sat on the shoulder of Jesus. We, rec we recognize that. So we see in this story, Noah sends out a dove and he does this three times. The first time he sends out the dove, the Bible says the dove returns because he found nowhere to put his feet. He found nowhere to rest his feet. The second time he comes back, he sends him out, he comes back. And this time he has an olive branch 
in his mouth. He is an olive branch in his mouth. Jesus representing the peace of God, that God would bring peace between God and man. And then the last time the spirit is sent out, the Bible says that the dove does not return because now, listen, this third time that the spirit was sent out, in the Old Testament, the spirit went out and found nowhere to rest. In, G- in Jesus, the spirit found a place to rest. But in us, the spirit has found a place to reside. Come on, is there anybody in the room thankful that the spirit does not just rest on us, but the spirit of God resides in us? This is what Jesus said. He said, listen, I've been with you, but the spirit of God will be in you. The spirit of God will be in you and he will lead you and he will guide you into all truth. I want to be spirit led. I want my decision making to be led by the spirit and not my feelings. The Bible says in Luke chapter four and verse one, it says that Jesus full of the spirit was led by the spirit into the wilderness because whatever you're full of, you will ultimately be led by. And so in the day I'm living in, I'm not trying to change my feelings. I'm not trying to convince myself that some other way is the way. I'm really not really trying to change anything other than I'm trying to be filled with the right things, trying to be filled with the right things. And a lot of people spend so much time trying to change their feelings, trying to change their mind instead of filling their life with the right things. And if you have the right things, you'll start to make the right decisions. You're like, why can't I make the right decisions? Because you're not full of the right things. So I want to be filled with the right things. So I make a decision to change who I'm being led by. Because why? The feeling that I'm looking for is on the other side of a feeling that I don't like. The feeling that I'm looking for is on the other side of a feeling that I don't like. That That part of me that does not want to submit to the will and the word of God and do what God says to do. The feeling that I'm looking for is on the other side of my obedience to God's word. So the spirit of the Lord, he fills us. He doesn't just rest on us. He resides in us. Jesus is even God with us, but the Holy Spirit, he is God in us. John 14, 15 through 17, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Isaiah tells us, Isaiah 11 tells us that the spirit of the Lord that rested on Jesus lives in us. And that spirit is a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of understanding, a spirit of counsel, a spirit of might, and a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And I want to talk to you about the purpose of those different spirits or aspects, movings of the spirit of God. There's not, you don't have the spirit of God and then there's another spirit of wisdom and another spirit of counsel. You have the spirit of God and the spirit of God is the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of counsel and the spirit of understanding. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive who the Holy Spirit is. And so if there's anyone in the room who lacks wisdom, that's why the Bible says to ask for wisdom and a God who gives generously will give you the wisdom that you need. He is, first of all, the Bible says he's a spirit of wisdom. 
Wisdom truly means order. Wherever you see wisdom operating in the Bible, you see order operating in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 says, for God is not the author of confusion, but he is the God of peace. Wisdom is order. The most wise man in the entire Bible, Solomon, he, he, he put the kingdom of Israel into order. He developed governmental systems. He wrote thousands of proverbs and he made Israel the richest nation in history. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, when he gets involved in something, it's not chaotic. It's not out of order. It's not messy. It is full of wisdom. So the Holy Spirit, he will help you. Listen to me. He will help you organize your life. For the people in the room who are like, man, I am not, at, I am not naturally an organizer. Like, I don't like structure naturally. Well, it's a good thing that you were born again and you were born of the Spirit because the Spirit likes order. I, I love it when people come to me and they'll say stuff like, Robbie, that's just not in my nature. It's, you know, I see people lifting their hands and I see people clapping and I see people shouting. You're like, that's just not in my nature. Well, you, you've been given a new nature in Christ, a spirit that loves to praise God, a spirit that loves to sing to God, a spirit that loves to cry in his presence, a spirit that loves to dance before the Lord. This is the spirit of the Lord. And if you're in a place where you're operating in your own spirit, of course you won't dance. Of course you won't sing. Of course you won't. But you've been, you've been birthed into the spirit of the Lord. Me and a friend were having a conversation the other day, and he said, man, I was, telling, I was talking to somebody the other day, and he said, they told me, well, you don't know, man, I was just born like this. It just runs in my family. He said, well, the good news is, is when you come to Jesus, you get born again. You get born into a new family. The old things pass away. All things become new. You're like, man, I'm just not a person of order. Well, in the spirit, you are, because the spirit is wisdom. He's, he's order. He wants to organize your life, your family, your money, your marriage, your business. He wants to bless you with wisdom, with wisdom. You see in Exodus, the book of Exodus, when they're setting up the temple, the Bible says that God would give people the spirit of wisdom so that they could be masters at their work. So that they could excel in what they did. He, he, he said, I gave them the spirit of wisdom so that they, could, they, they would know how to put the garments together for the priests. And, and I'm telling you, in the day we're living in, there's such a lack of wisdom about what we need to do in this moment. How I need to operate in my job to, for it to work and for it to be successful. And we look at other people and we're all, we're, we're just, we're like, why can't I? And, and you're asking the wrong question because you're comparing yourself to the wrong person. You're looking to the wrong thing for influence and for advice. Comparison doesn't help you. It doesn't, it doesn't inform you. It just depresses you and makes you angry and makes you look at yourself. Why am I not gifted? Why am I not smart? Why am I not creative? Well, you are all of those things in the spirit of God. You actually are. You're more than you think you are. You are more than your birth circumstances. You are more than who people have said you are. You are more than that. You are full of his spirit. Oh, man. Spirit of wisdom. So spirit of understanding. Spirit of understanding is a spirit of clarity. 
First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32 says that there were these sons of Issachar, men who had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Wow. Man, we could use some people like that in the day we're living in. We need leaders, people who understand the times that we are living in. People who are not tripping over the times that we are living in. People who know the word of God and look at the things that are happening in the world and say, you know what? I know that seems scary and I know it seems crazy, but what's happening right now in the Middle East, what's happening across the world? If you would just read the book of Daniel, if you would just read the Bible a little bit, you would understand that these things are lining up according to the word of God. You don't have to be afraid because everything is happening according to God's plan. There's a a clarity that comes. There's a clarity that comes. In times, I heard John Maxwell say one time, he said, in times of stability, leaders make history. But in times of instability, history makes leaders. And we're in a day where history is making leaders, where we need people not to really rise to the moment, but to rise above the moment. We got a lot of people living in the moment. YOLO. You only live once. A lot of people living in the moment. We need people who can rise above the moment and look at what we're going through as a as a people and say, this is what God says. This is the direction we should go. This is how we should live. This is where we should walk. This is what we should do. I'm tired of people just sticking, you know, licking their thumb and sticking it up in the air and saying, what's the media saying today? What's the polls say today? What's my friends say today? What? What, what the news say today? I want somebody who knows what God is saying today, who understands the day that I'm living in and speaks faith into my life. So I want, I want clarity. First Corinthians chapter two, verses nine through 10 say, however it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. These are the things that God has prepared for those who love him, and these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit, you realize that the things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend are the things that God wants to open up and reveal to you. If you're like, how are you so calm when the world is so chaotic? I've just seen things in the spirit that the natural mind can't see. The carnal mind doesn't have access to the things unseen. God reveals the unseen things, the things that no mind has even thought of to those who love him by his spirit. The Bible says that the spirit of God searches all things, even the deep things of God. So the spirit of God is not just power. The spirit of God is intellect. The spirit of God is not just education. The spirit of God is intelligence. When you're educated, you make your decisions based on what you know about the past and the present. But when you have spiritual intelligence, you make decisions based on what God knows about the future. And there are so many people making decisions based on what they know about the past and the present. And very few people making decisions based on about based on what God has spoken over the future. He says, then it's the spirit of 
The Holy Spirit, he's the spirit of counsel. This is advice. Proverbs 11 and 14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, I would encourage you, not every counselor is God's voice in your life. You have to have the wisdom to discern who's counseling you in the ways of scripture and the teaching of the word of God and who's counseling you in your own feelings. I have a friend right now who they're just doing their own thing. They're, the counsel they're receiving from their counselor is, is all about them, you know, your whole life, you've been doing what others wanted you to do. You need to, it's time to find you and discover you. And everything is about them. It's all inward. It's about how all of these things in life have impacted me and affected me and what life has done to me. And, and I need to find myself. Well, the scripture never teaches us that we're on a journey to find self. We're actually on a journey to find God. And when I find him, I'll find me. And if I find me outside of him, I didn't really find me. It's the spirit of advice, of counsel. Proverbs 12 and 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eye. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. When you get ready to buy a house, when you get ready to get married, when you get ready to take a job, when you get ready to move, you know the Holy Spirit has something to say about that. And the wise man will ask the Holy Spirit and people in their life who are in tune with the Holy Spirit about those decisions before they make those decisions on their own. Because when you make decisions without counselors, you're making a decision in, in, that seems right in your own eyes but leads to destruction. And listen to me, one bad decision can obviously destroy a lifetime of good decisions. But let me tell you something else. One good decision can turn around a lot of bad decisions in your life. He's the spirit of might, the spirit of might, the spirit of strength. Many people live so much of their life in weakness and in fear, running from our own shadows. I remember when I was little and I was afraid of my own shadow. I, saw, I remember the first time I saw it was in a parking lot after a church service. And I just remember freaking out. And my dad is calming me down. And I'm like, it won't leave. <laughs> He's like, well, you know. But what I started to notice was he had one too. And he wasn't running. And so he started to describe to me, like, this is how this works. The sun, it hits your body and all this happens. And when you, when you have no might, you run from your own shadow. The Bible says that the wicked people in the earth, they flee when no one's even chasing them. But righteous people are as bold as a lion. When you have the spirit of God, you have a spirit of might. I'm not afraid of the devil not afraid of the future, not afraid of the unknown because I have the spirit of might, the spirit of strength that gives me authority, gives me boldness. 
makes me excited about the future. And then he says, you have the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge is faith for the future. John chapter 16, Jesus is teaching, and in verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you about the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Do you know that because of Jesus, I have good things coming in my future? The Bible says that one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to tell me about the good things that God has in store for my life. And if you're operating in the spirit of the Lord, you're not operating in a spirit of fear that says, man, the future's dark, the future's bleak, the future isn't bright, there's crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, all of that is true, but the spirit of God says, you're more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. You're the head and not the tail. You were made for this moment. I know it's gonna be dark, but you're the light of the world. You're a city set on the hill. You're the salt of the earth. That when you have the spirit of God, you have a spirit of knowledge that says my future is secure in the hands of the Lord. Lord, good things are coming my way. All the things that the Father, the, the job of the Spirit is to tell you all of the things that the Father has, they belong to you. <laughs> wow. Jesus said, he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. Wow. Knowledge of God. Knowledge of God gives us a deeper faith in God. And listen to me, the, the day we're living in, I've heard a word recently a lot, and it's this word deconstruct, and it's, it's to describe people who are walking away um, from their faith or leaving the church, and they're, they're deconstructing their faith, and they're coming to find out a lot of stuff that they believed uh, wasn't true or wasn't true for them, and so they've been discouraged, they've They've maybe been hurt in church. And I know that in this church, there are a lot of people who come to me even over the past few weeks and are like, man, I haven't been in church for eight years, but I came here and I thought I'll try again and I'll give it another chance. And maybe I walked away from God. And, and, but there's, there's a deconstruction happening in the earth today. And I don't think people are walking away from God. I think people are walking away from what people told them about God. Here's the thing about the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord teaches you about God so that when something shows up and it isn't God, you're like, I know God. I'm not easily deceived. Remember, remember, indecisive people are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. They can't ever decide. They can't make up their mind. Why? Because they really don't know God. They know what other people have said about God. They know what they've believed about God, what they've been taught about God, but very few people actually know him for themselves. Some of you, your only relationship with God is what I tell you on a Sunday morning. And if all you're getting about God is what you learn from me on a Sunday morning, you are selling yourself short of who he really is. He's more than I can express to you in 45 minutes on a Sunday. 
He's more than this. He's more than just a gathering for an hour and 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. He is the air you breathe. He's the song you sing. He's your life. In him you move and you live and you have your being. You need to know him. The apostle said, listen, this, all I want to do is know him. I just want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know what God is like. I want to know how God responds. I want to know how God acts because I can have a form of godliness and really not even know God. I can have a sign on the front that says, hey, this is a church and it really not even be an expression of God. So you need to know God because you need to know what isn't God. You need to be able to walk in a place and say, I, I'm not even giving five more minutes to this because I know God isn't in it because I know who God is and I know how God talks and I know how God treats people and I know how God feels about people. Not, I know God. So the spirit of knowledge is, is, is the knowledge to know God. It's the ability to, to have a relationship with God where you're like, I know him. And when somebody says something, you're like, no, that, that, that's not what God would say to me. That's not how God would talk to me. So you need to know him. There was a, a man in the Bible, his name was Shalom. He, he was the son of Josiah. Josiah, if you know anything about the kings of Israel, Josiah was one of those righteous kings. Josiah was very young when he took over his king and he began to burn down idols and tear down all of these false gods and he turned the nation back to God. He knew God. But his son didn't. His son thought being king was all about the wealth and the power and the privilege and the palace and God speaks to him through Jeremiah. And Jeremiah tells him, he says, you thought knowing God was about a big palace. You thought knowing God was about this and about that, about money and having access. He says, he says to him, he says, but that's not what knowing God is all about. In Jeremiah chapter 22, he says, your father defended the cause of the poor and needy. And so all went well with him. When people worked for him, he paid them what they were worth. He didn't take advantage of people. You've made people build your kingdom and you haven't taken care of their, their lives and their livelihood. And he says, because of this, you will be no more. He said, but your dad, he took care of the needs of the poor. He took care of the needs of those who were needy and all went well with your father. And then he says, is that not what it means to know me? You don't know God because you've got money. You don't know God because you have power. You don't know God because you have privilege. You don't know God because you have access. You don't know God because you have stuff. You know God when you leverage your things for the cause of people who don't have anything. That's when you know God. A lot of people run around saying, I know God. I know God. No, you don't. 
because you haven't leveraged the resources that God has given you for the cause of those who are less fortunate than you. This is what it means, he says, to know the Lord. And then he says, there's a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The fear of God is so necessary. It's necessary because if God is small and on the peripheral of your life, if God is harmless, if God's eyes don't burn with fire, then you won't be able to survive this world because you have to have a God who's bigger than your circumstances. You have to have a God who's bigger than the things you're currently facing. And if he's small and uninvolved and uninterested and on the outside looking in, you'll always be intimidated by stuff that seems too big for you. You'll think that the mountain has more power than God. You'll think that the storm has more control than God. And that will lead to people pleasing. That will lead to allowing the feelings and the words of others to destroy us. Because if God's love for you isn't bigger than your natural father's love for you, then when your natural father stops loving you or is disappointed in you or disappoints you, you won't have something bigger to run to. And so many people are crushed by life because they've made gods out of people. When God has to be bigger, his love has to be the final say in your life. His word has to be the final authority in your life. Because if not, their disappointment will crush you. Their looks will destroy you. God has to be bigger than their expectations, bigger than their disappointment, bigger than their anger, bigger than them, big enough to fear. And the fear of God is interesting because the fear of God does not produce anxiety in our life. And you guys, I'm really, I'm really nervous right now. I'm so anxious. I've, I fear God so much. I feel like if he wanted to, he'd just pick me up right now and throw me across this room if he got mad at me. I just, there's this, there's an unhealthy fear of God that connects how your father handled his disappointment with you to how God handles his disappointment with you. They're not the same. Your dad on his best day is evil compared to the goodness of God. The fear of God does not produce anxiety in my life. It produces peace. First Peter 5 and 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Exodus 14 and 31 says, and when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, they feared the Lord and put their trust in him. 
I'm afraid of God because I know what he does to my enemies. Is what the Bible saying. I fear the Lord because I've seen what he can do with people. That try to destroy my life. <laughs> that type of fear doesn't make me insecure. That type of fear does not make me afraid. That type of fear removes my fears. First John 4 and 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The fear of God is an awareness that God is greater than anything that I will ever face in this life. That's the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14 and 27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Isaiah chapter eight, verses 13 and 14 says, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread and he will become a sanctuary. If God is your fear and God is your dread, if God is your greatest fear, then God will be your safest place. So the spirit of the Lord, he's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. How do I become more aware of his spirit? I want to leave you with this and I'll, I'll let you go today. How do I become more aware of his spirit? How, how do I become more in tune with his spirit? How do I make more spirit led decisions? First of all, you have to value his word above anything else. Proverbs 4, 20, 21 says, my son, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them, watch this, at the center of your heart. I don't decide what I'm going to do and then try to find a verse to justify that's the world we live in right now. It's like, I want to do what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to grab a verse, and I'm going to manipulate a Bible story to say what I want it to say so that I can do what I want it to do. No, the Bible, the Word of God must be the center of your life. Everything you do flows from that center. Not from my feelings, not from my emotions, not from what I want to do, not from my flesh, but from His Word, it must be the center of my life. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 12 and 13, the Bible says, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. Whew. He was 39. He got sick. And even in his sickness, the Bible says he would not seek God. He didn't value God's word. Because of it, he made it to 41. And so many people, not only is your life in danger, your dreams, your purpose, your future, because you have decided even 
in my darkest days, I'm not going to do what God tells me to do. I'm not going to seek the Lord for advice because I know what he'll say. He'll try to control my life. He'll try to make me do what he wants me to do. It's amazing how people can still, in their sickness, in their frustration, think they're right. In their eighth marriage and still think everybody else is the problem. In your fourth job in four years and still think your boss is the issue. So you got to value God's word. When you value God's word, you give his word priority in your life. And when you value it, you'll meditate on it. People very often are like, you, should, you need to read the Bible, Bible more, but you won't read it if you don't value it. Joshua 1 and 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Wow. So I value God's word. I meditate on God's word. And James teaches me that I've got to act on God's word. James 1 and 22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. How do I increase my awareness? How do I, of the Holy Spirit, how do I, how do I increase the activity of the Holy Spirit in my life? Value his word. You're like, well, Jesus is the word. Well, the Holy Spirit inspired every word that was written in the Bible. The men who wrote the Bible wrote the Bible under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You can't say, oh man, I love the Holy Spirit and you don't like his words. So I value it. And when I value it, I'll meditate on it. And when I meditate on it, he'll give me wisdom. He'll give me instruction. He'll give me counsel. He'll increase my knowledge, my awareness. And when he speaks something to me, I do it. That's how you get him to talk to you more. Follow his instructions. You want, more, you want to hear God's voice more? Do the last thing he told you to do. Because God's not going to keep telling you to do stuff when you didn't do the last thing he told you to do. It's like a parent who the kid is like, hey, can I go out? Um, I told you to take out the trash. Well, yeah, but I, no, I want you to do that before you can do this. You've got to, when I hear it, I've got to, I've got to move. I've got to respond. And when I, when I respond, when I do, he'll start talking more. He'll start speaking more. I'll hear him more. I'm telling you, man, he just begins to open up. He starts to tell you things unseen, things unknown, things that the mind cannot even comprehend. He reveals to you by his spirit. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you for the spirit of the Lord. 
spirit of wisdom, spirit of counsel, spirit of understanding, spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the knowledge of the Lord. We thank you that the activity of the spirit in our life produces clarity, produces understanding, produces knowledge. Not even really talking about book smart. We're talking about intelligence. It's, it's, it's something that comes from the inside. And so, Father, we thank you today that your spirit doesn't just rest on us, but your spirit that gives us knowledge and understanding and wisdom and clarity, your spirit lives in us. And as we value what the spirit says, and as we meditate on what the spirit says, and as we do what the spirit says to do, we will hear you even more. We will know you even more. Help us today in Jesus name to really activate what you've spoken into our lives, to put into practice what you've spoken into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Will you stand on your feet with me this morning?